Luke chapter 18. Uh, before we look into scripture, let me deal with something that is just a very, very small, th- well, it's not a small thing, it's an important thing, and that is congratulations to a successful year uh, for the church uh, softball team. They had their tournament yesterday, and uh, through the injuries, I don't know, I, I, there were a couple of injuries, I understand, um, but they just, they soldiered on and had a great time. And uh, so thank you, particularly Stan Ryman. I don't know if Stan is in back. Uh, Stan, uh, thank you so much for your leadership with this. You've been doing this for a number of years. Oh, there he is. Hi, Jared. Uh, Jared, good to see you. Uh, I understand there was a small injury there yesterday, so look for the limping guy. That was our uh, pitcher for a while. And uh, but it's uh, it's a great time of fellowship. I love I love those games uh, simply because of the opportunity to connect with other believers and uh, sometimes connect with uh, newer people in the church. And so thank you so much for all of you who were involved, for all of you who took part, and particularly for the uh, the coaches. Uh, thank you so much. So again, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18. You're not going to see the the verses on the screen here in just a moment. We're going to read it, so I want you to follow with me in your Bibles. But it's a, it's a story that many of you are familiar with. It's, it's the, the story of, 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 of misguided values. And it's so familiar to some of you, but this morning it's really the prelude to the greater message at the end of the story. And so here it is, it's Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 18, it says this, a certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, five of them listed. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, the man said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. This is one of those occasions where I I would love to see the expression on his face. Because here's how it continues. When he heard this, he became very sad. Can you, can you picture that? He became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, well, then who can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So the man's name is never given. Uh, he, he's referred to as uh, a, a ruler here and, and that he's wealthy. In another gospel, it talks about that he was a young man. So putting it all together, we refer to him, though we don't know his name, we refer to him as the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler. This rich young ruler came to Jesus and, and, and he asked a question that so many people have asked and he, it was quite simply this, what do I need to do to get eternal life? 
What do I do to get eternal life? Uh, another a variation of that question is a question that, that people still ask today. In fact, have been asking throughout time. Since the very creation, people have been asking this, how can I get eternal life? Or another way to put it is, how do I get to heaven? You've asked that question. At some point in your life, there was this yearning, this longing, this, this desire to, to access that, that eternal part. How, how can I live forever? How can I go to heaven? Jesus, knowing this man's heart, he referred to five of the uh, Ten Commandments. Now, I, I have to be honest with you, I don't know and we don't know why exactly he didn't mention all of them. I think Jesus chose these particular commandments because Jesus, knowing the man's heart, knew how he was going to respond. I think Jesus chose these five. <coughs> Excuse me. That Jesus chose these five because he knew his heart. So he said, referred to the five, he said, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, and honor your parents. And as the, uh, as the man heard those very familiar commands, he's Jewish, so he understands these. He, he's, very familiar. he's heard them since he was a boy. He, 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 as he hears these commands, these familiar commands, he marks them off on a mental checklist. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, you look at those, and I, I okay, I, I don't know about lying, but to go your whole life without lying, um, honoring your parents, I don't know if you could do that, dis, uh, go your whole life without disobeying your parents, but I can understand you can go an entire lifetime without committing adultery and murdering someone or stealing something. So as he's hearing these things, this young man, he checks them off. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. He scored high, yet he knew something was lacking. See, here's the thing. That's, the, that's, what, that's what makes the difference between a, a person who, who thinks that I can get eternal life by doing good things, even when they do the good things, they still think there's something missing. Even the person who, who's heard and bought the lie that if you do enough good things that outweigh the bad things, you'll go to heaven. Even when they, if they can accomplish that, there's still this, this niggling worry. It's not enough. That's where this man was. Because he... He knew something was lacking. So Jesus, knowing the man's history and his heart, said to him, sell everything, give the proceeds to the poor, and then come and follow me. Understand, Jesus did not require that of everyone. Right? Not every person. This is the only occasion where Jesus gave that command. You don't see him giving this directive to every person that he encounters. But he gave it to this man. 
He gave it to this man. He required it of the person who measured his life by his material wealth. Jesus knew the man's heart. So the man thought about it. If you can picture this in your minds, the man thought about it for a moment, and then he turned and he walked away. And as he did so, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, it's there that we usually end the story, right? Story of the rich young ruler. Cautionary tale about misplaced values, right? I mean, we we use this and say, see, that's what happens if you put too much trust in stuff. That's what happens if you you make your identity in what you have or what you possess or what you've accomplished. We regard it as a cautionary tale and we often stop right there. But there's more to the story. You see, Jesus' disciples were listening and they were thinking about all that they had given up to follow Jesus. Look at verse 28. It tells us this. Peter said to Jesus, we have left all we had to follow you. It's quite a statement. Again, picture this in your minds. They're sitting there, they're observing this. And Peter says, we've given up everything. Now he had a point. Peter had a point. We don't know how far into the discipleship process Uh, we know that the disciples were with Jesus for about three years we don't know how far into that process but for they've been with Jesus now for some time they have laid some things aside some of the disciples had abandoned lucrative jobs to follow Jesus others walked away from political causes several of The disciples left family businesses. And Peter, and maybe others, we know this for sure of Peter, (laughs) Peter, this self-designated spokesman, he was married. In fact, uh, he may have had children. It doesn't say that he did, but there was perhaps others who were also married and had children. They were away from family for long periods of time as they followed Jesus. So they had sacrificed a great deal to follow Jesus. They had sacrificed a great deal. And so they wondered, and Peter asked, is it worth it, Jesus, to follow you? You ever wonder if it's worth it to follow Jesus? See, let's step away from first century and go to 21st century. You ever wonder if it's worth it to follow Jesus? When you came to Jesus, I heard a wonderful testimony in Sunday school this morning. (coughs) Testimony of someone who God delivered them from so much. 
when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, there were probably some things that were spiritually destructive that you said, I got to lay that aside. I have to put that aside. It's no good for me. Maybe you surrendered your life to the Lord and the Holy Spirit began to reveal things to you and say, that's not right. And when you would do them, you would go, I can't do that. Or maybe you began to get into God's word and you, you recognize that my life is not aligning correctly to God's plan as revealed in his word. And so you go, okay, that's done. All right, put that aside. Move that out of the way. And you gave some things up. They may have been some things that you enjoyed. Some things that you held on to very tightly. They may have even been some things that you found your identity in. And God said, lay it aside. And you gave it up. When you came to Jesus, maybe some of your family or dear friends turned against you. There are people here in this room, probably many, who when you surrendered your life to Christ, you lost some family relationship and some friends. You gave up some things. Maybe when you gave your life to Christ, you also gave up some of your plans to follow his plans. Perhaps you've wondered, is it worth it? In my late teens or early 20s, I had given my life to Christ as a, as a little boy. When I was 17, I made what I guess I would term as a recommitment. And <coughs> in my late teens and early 20s, I was serving the Lord but I would look around and I would see some of the things that others were doing, unbelievers were doing. Kind of embarrassed to say this now, but I remember looking at some people with a little bit of envy. And I thought, if I weren't a Christian, I could do that. I've heard it's pretty wonderful. And if I weren't a follower of Jesus Christ, I, I, I would be free to do that. I, I would ask sometimes, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I want you to look at Jesus' reply in verses 29, 20, 29 and 30. Jesus said, truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers, or sisters, or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. Now I want you to notice here in, this, in verses 29 and 30, Jesus refers to two periods of time. He says, this age or this life, right, the 20, 30, 50 more or less than that years that he gives us. Talks about that period of time. 
and then the age to come, and that is after this life is over. He refers here to two different time periods, this age and the age to come. And Jesus said, regardless of what they'd given up, they would receive many times as much in this age. And I want you to notice that. That's really important. He was telling them and he's telling us that much of our reward for following him, we receive now. Let me say that again. So much of the reward that we receive in following him, we receive right now. Let me give you some examples. This is powerful. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are delivered from the power of sin and Satan. Not, you're not delivered when you die and you go to heaven. You're delivered from that right now. Glory to God. When you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the power of sin and the power of Satan in your life was defeated. Now, does that mean that we don't sin? No, but we choose to sin then. We're, we're no longer just naturally doing it. The power of sin is broken. That happens right now. If you are in Christ, you are set free from the power of guilt. You're set free from the power of guilt. You, you remember what you did, and you acknowledge, yeah, there were some really bad things that happened in my life, but I'm no longer burdened by the guilt of those things. Again, this morning I heard a brother recount some of the things that God had done in his life. But there's not a sense of guilt. Acknowledgement, this is how it was, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ, I no longer live with the guilt. Many years ago, I was <coughs> talking with a, a woman who had had multiple abortions. As she shared her story, you could feel the pain of regret, but I sensed no guilt because Jesus had set her free from that. We don't have to wait for that until we get to heaven. We can experience that right now. If you are in Christ, your perspective on the world around you has changed. You see things differently. So when the rest of the world is trying to make some sense of the chaos and the confusion, we know the answer is in Him. This world is whacked out, people. But our perspective is different. In the confusion and the chaos of this world, there, there, there's so much angst going on in our world right now. But the follower of Jesus Christ has a different perspective. They not only know that there is a world beyond this time, they also acknowledge and they understand that Jesus gives us strength during this time. We see things differently. Our perspective has changed. That doesn't happen just when we die. It happens right now. If you're in Christ, people around you right now are blessed, right? Uh, like, okay, the guy's dead. The woman's dead. Now they can change our lives. No, while, while we're in this life, 
He uses us to affect change in others. Some of you are serving Jesus Christ in large part because somebody during their lifetime influenced you. It didn't happen just at their funeral. It happened as you interacted together. God uses us in that way right now. If we are in Christ, we have a joy that circumstances cannot alter. We have a peace beyond our ability to comprehend. Right now, not not just in the future, but right now, Holy Spirit power and direction and encouragement are ours. We have that right now, and right now, Jesus is our provider for present needs. I want you to listen to me. What we give up to follow Christ is nothing compared to what we gain. You let that sink in. What we give up, what you have given up to serve Jesus Christ is nothing compared to what we gain. I look back and I say, Lord, okay, I gave this up. Really, did I need that anyway? Was that valuable anyway? I gave that up. Yes, I gave that up, but look what you gave me in return. I've received so much from you. And then he said, we get eternal life. At the end of this life, when, at, regardless of the age, when it's all done, if we're in Jesus Christ, we get eternal life. Thank God. There's more than this life. I look forward to eternal life, but I'm so grateful that Jesus spoke about both ages. What we receive now, what we receive then. We get so much here, and we get so much there. People have asked me several times, um, why don't we just do what we want, and then before we die, make peace with God and go to heaven? You ever heard that? Anyone ever thought it or asked it or heard it? Why, uh, here it is again. Why don't we just do what we want, and then before we die, make peace with God and go to heaven? Kind of like, it's kind of like um, being in a car that is at a high rate of speed heading for a cliff over a great chasm, and you think, you know what, I'm going to keep riding this thing just until the end, and then I'm going to bail out. The problem with that is two, twofold. First of all, it's the obvious, and that is this life can end at any moment. This life can end at any moment. As a friend of mine once said, the, the, uh, the flowers that will be used at your funeral may already be in bloom. We don't know. We don't know. This life can end very, very quickly. But the greater concern is that this also assumes that the best life is within our control and that we can know the best life? Really? Just live my life for myself and then at the end? I would rather spend all of my life trusting Him 
and experiencing his plan for my life than following my own pursuits and end up with nothing. I'm not serving Jesus simply so that I can get to heaven. I serve Jesus because of what he's given me right now. We don't know whatever became of, the, uh, of that man in Luke 18 who tried to be the master of his own life, right? Uh, it would be interesting to know the, the rest of that story. But I'm sure this, the rich young ruler eventually became the rich old ruler. He apparently knew how to make money. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that he found his identity in that. He chose not to follow Christ. I mentioned earlier that when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I would look at, at uh, unbelievers and say, boy, I wish I could do some of those things. Well, I'm much older than that now. And uh, I have no regrets for following Jesus. None. I have no regrets for following Jesus. I have a different perspective now. At risk of giving away too many details, my closest friend growing up from the age of five through 18, our, our uh, lives are really on parallel tracks. At age 18, he went to one Bible college. I went to another. I thank God for his mercy that protected me and, and that I was willing to surrender my plans for his. My friend, my best friend, did not do that. Now, 40 years later, his life has been one tragedy after another because he thought that his plan was better than anyone else's. No one who has served Jesus Christ all of their life has at the end of their life ever declared, is it worth it? Because if you've been serving Jesus all of your life, and the end is drawing near, a thousand times over you'll declare, it was worth it. This morning I want to pray with you. My apologies for my very weak voice today. I know that it's been a distraction, but I want to pray with you. If there's anyone here this morning, first of all, with, with your heads bowed, please, I, let me ask this. Is there anyone here this morning 
who would say, I've never surrendered, I've not yet surrendered my life to Christ. I don't, I'm not sure if I were to die today, if I would go to heaven. Um, And uh, I want you to know that you can know. So before we go any further, is there anyone here this morning that would say, I want to know for sure, and I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. It simply, it happens simply by a heartfelt prayer. And I want to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone here, before we go any further, that you just lift up your hands and, uh, and, contact, uh, and, and make contact with my eyes? Is there anyone here, I can pray with you. Now, one more question, and that is, um, it's one that I don't want you to identify with an upraised hand. But this morning, if you have been tempted with the thought, is it worth it? Then I want, I want to pray with you as well. Um, that the assurance of God's plan for your life being far superior to your own. I want to pray with you about that. So in these closing moments, would you stand with me please? I want to ask God's blessing upon you and I want want us to pray this. As always, these altars are going to be open at the close of this service and uh, if you have if you uh, If you'd like to spend some more time with the Lord, please feel free to to just gather up here and kneel down and spend some time with the Lord just one-on-one. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these people here today, for the the many people that are joining us online. And Lord, I ask that you would Give us that assurance that your plan is best. And that, Lord, it's worth it. That it's really, really worth it. For that person, young or old, who has had that bothersome thought, is serving the Lord Jesus Christ, giving up some things, is it worth it? I pray, oh Lord, that they would know that it is. Remind us, Lord, that you have so much for us, not only in the life to come, but in the life right now. I ask your favor and your blessing upon every person here today, every every person within the the sound of my my weak voice. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would that you would comfort them and keep them. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ again. These altars are open. God bless you this morning.